This is CliffCentral.com. This show contains adult content. If you find it offensive, please go to the CliffCentral.com website where there's a show for you. Cliffcentral.com. It is Friday morning. This is Sex Talk with John T. Searle. And a whole lot of who may be sexually empowered women. <laughs> We're going to find out what that means and do you actually fit into that. Are you challenging us? <laughs> so this is Unradio. This is Unscripted. And this morning, this is most definitely uncensored. Mm. So Tamara is here with Hi. us. And Donna is with us. Hello. And Tay is here. Hi, guys. For the first time ever. And Donna as well. Yes. And Goddess L. Last time you were here, you had much less clothes on. <laughs> I intend to try to keep them on today. Why? <laughs> maybe. Um, so maybe, you can talk. Not. So oh, you can talk. Okay. Maybe that's why. Because last time you were kind of struggling to maybe. talk. <laughs> it was more like, uh, yes, uh, what? Yes, indeed. <laughs> so I thought she did a great job. She did. <laughs> she did do a great job. <laughs> Yeah. It was a fabulous time. <laughs> so, sexually empowered women, what does that mean? How do you get there? And can most men handle a sexually empowered woman? And do most men actually want a sexually empowered woman? Because what does that really mean? And what does that mean for a man? So, WhatsApp us on 079 Tell us what you think. Mm. A sexually empowered woman is Would you like to be one Even if you're a man And um, (laughs) we were watching Monty Python Last weekend so we kind of stuck into the uh, We had a Monty Python Festival Oh lovely And um, as a man Do you really want a sexually powerful And sexually empowered woman Because I think for most men it's their greatest Fantasy and their greatest fear Mm. So let us know what you think, and let us know what you think this might be. Ninja sex, chocolate starfish, Twitter bag, Canadian. Today's dirty dictionary word is A B R. Dirty dictionary word. A, B, R. Any idea what that might be? It's a fetish. Donna? Not a clue. <laughs> Goddess L, it's your department. Uh, kinky, kinky minx, go for it. Kinky minx, yes. It um, sounds a manly term though, right? It's like three letters. <laughs> a, B, R. Any idea? Oh, so many acronyms. So uh-huh. many acronyms in the kinky world and in the empowered world. I'll have to pass on this one. Okay. A, B, R. Tay, any clues? A, B, R. No idea. ABS, uh, how do you call that braking system? Is yeah. that ABS? Yeah. Nothing to do with it. So maybe it's the anti-braking system when you have no control and you just tell it master. Nowhere near. Oh, shame it. Nowhere near. Okay. <laughs> Give us a clue. Donna, any clue? No clue. No clue. ABR. Okay. Well, okay. So the first clue is 
You ladies all have two of them and I have none. Ooh. I know what it is. <laughs> ah, because you looked it up. So that's not allowed. Is it a fetish? So, okay. Cool. Okay. So I've heard of before. I just didn't know the acronym. Okay. Okay. So WhatsApp us zero seven nine seven four eight two zero nine zero and tell us what you think ABR is. If you have it, would you like to? Do you want to do it? <laughs> and let us know. <laughs> Bunch of mm. giggling yep. girls. Yes. <laughs> we have okay. two, but would we like? To have that well, fetish on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many needles are going to go through it? No needles. No needles? No needles. Okay. So, really an better. interesting one. Hmm. So, sexually empowered women. Hmm. So, I did a, a, I was on a, what's called Real Talk earlier this week um, yeah. with Anele, and we were talking about relationships and open relationships and different kinds of relationships. And Chantal and I were having a discussion afterwards. About the show, and I thought that's really, really interesting, and that's how we got in our very roundabout way to what a sexually empowered woman is. So, in a few lines, let's see if we can actually put a definition on that, and then I'm going to blow all that out the water. So, <laughs> what do you think a sexually? Imp- no, no, no. We're starting there with you, because that's mic number one. See, uh-huh. so what do you think a sexually empowered woman is? For me, a sexually empowered woman is one who does not make herself smaller for anybody else. She accepts herself fully, all the aspects of herself, including her sexual desires and her sexual drive and any kinks and fantasies she may have. And she fiercely protects her right to be in her full power as herself. Okay, thank you. Tay? Sexually empowered woman for me... um, is more than just the the sex aspect of it. Um, I believe from being young children, young girls and young boys, um, is our life force is shamed. We are shamed for being sensual beings from very young, from five years old, from six years old. Um, and that gets, we disconnect from our life force. Um, because that sensuality becomes a taboo. Um, so our intrinsic reason for being, our birthright, is disconnected from us. And both men and women, um, and men their sacred feminine, is we are disconnected from owning all aspects of ourselves. So I think to become sexually empowered or to be sexually empowered is really having a dance with with all that we are, with our right to be here, with our creative life force. So being sexually empowered is stepping out of our way. Um, and as soon as we step out of our own way and own all of ourselves by default, you become sexually empowered. Thank you. Donna? I think I echo Tao there with mm. the... You own your sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an evolving journey. You've got to investigate the social norms, ex- what's accepted within your environment and what it means to you and how your particular kinks, wishes and desires fit into that, but more importantly, how they please you and satisfy you and not anybody else. Mm. Okay. 
Are you having your say here? I'm just <laughs> having my um, my little two cents that uh, the reason I got to see you as a therapist, Jonti, was because my fire, my sexual fire, I thought I'm going, I am empowered. And I was actually fighting for something. And uh, for me to understand what sexually empowered is having a choice, like take kind of also said, and having a choice and knowing first of all, what is my power? Then I can be empowered. So what is this? Then comes a whole bunch of questions. Questions of why do we not even know what is sexual, to be a sexual being? And yeah, I think it's, if I speak from elimination, then definitely just to take people, influences, uh, and thoughts, ideas that we've planted or society planted in our heads, at least to verify or try to see if they are beliefs or they are real for us. Mm. Yeah, it's the beginning. So the interesting thing or the words that come up for me in terms of this that are, are, are really the pertinent words are, are choice, yeah. <clears throat> authenticity, and, and change, evolution, which you said, Donna, that it's a journey. It's not a place you arrive at mm. that says, now That's I'm correct. empowered. And yeah. it's like <coughs> a, you don't fit into a box. I, I think a but, very big thing is also about being shameless. So shame is an enormous aspect of our shek- of of our sexuality. Absolutely. Let's say that one again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, it has enormous impact because we're taught that sex is shameful. Mm. Correct. We're not taught that sex is pleasure. We don't get educated into the fact that sex is for pleasure. And there's a wonderful movement running around the world um, of conscious sexuality at the moment that simply says, if we taught children that sex was about pleasure how different it would be instead of it being a limited sex education a fear-based sex education which is what we mostly get it would remove the power struggle yeah that we have through the sexes yeah and it would take and that we are intrinsically Mm. powerful yeah by ourselves so it's a journey and it's a it's a continuous journey because we change we grow um, things that we were never interested in before wake up within us at some point. You see something, you watch something, you hear something, and all of a sudden you think, oh, that could be exciting. And you never even considered that as part of your sexuality mm. before. Um, or you, or so, you considered it, and because of wherever you find yourself at that time, you shun it. Mm. And then suddenly you receive a rude awakening like a jolt, mm. and then you have to face it. Mm. Yeah. And you have to face yourself. Mm. So it's very much about facing yourself and becoming yourself. And that's the authenticity. And that's very much a continuous and continual journey. So interesting thing then. Let's find out where did your journey begin in that? My journey began, I'd say, my early 20s, where I found swingers clubs, for example, as a far safe environment as a single woman Mm. to go and party. I would not be dealing with people that imbibe too much alcohol at 2 a.m. Um, we had a standard joke in our 20s that come to 3 o'clock in the morning, fuck off is a mating call in a bar. <laughs> um, entering swingers clubs, we didn't have to deal with that situation mm. as young females. It was not about the sex at that point. It was about just the acceptance of what was going on around us and appreciating that everybody else had their own kink and there was no judgment to it. Now that's quite young to be involved in that it environment. Is very young. Okay. But as I never entered it for the sex, mm. which was the interesting aspect to it. It was just somewhere I could go and dance for six hours on the dance floor and not get harassed. Mm. And I exited and entered the 
swinging lifestyle through the years, becoming a parent, um, getting involved with people who are not in the lifestyle, but I kept on being drawn back to it. And then my journey just evolved from that and realizing it was an integral part of my life and how I was able to express myself. Mm. So there's an interesting question with that that we'll come back to that was, was posed to me when I was talking to people about the show and I got a whole lot of questions. And one of them was, if you are a sexually empowered woman, do you have to be involved in the swinging lifestyle? No. And it was interesting. So it's a choice. It's a choice. That's it, and that comes back to one of the aspects of that is choice. Tay, where did your journey to this begin? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think my journey became uh, began as a child, mm-hmm. really. Um, is I've always been a very sensual person, mm-hmm. um, without equating it to sex. Mm. So five year olds not walking around thinking, "Hey, I'm sexy." Yeah. Um, so I think the people around me in school and adults and peers um, would project a whole bunch of shame onto me, and I didn't I didn't understand what what that was about. Um, so for many years, I would make myself smaller mm. um, so others wouldn't feel uncomfortable. Okay. Um, so earlier on, I was talking about bringing literature on what was it <laughs> that um, that helped me on my journey to becoming sexually empowered. Um, so I brought my birth certificate. <laughs> <laughs> so we can see that's really you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was many years of, I was slut-shamed from the age of 11. I was a virgin. It's, that was just external projections. At age 11, you were a virgin. Oh. Believe it. Can you <laughs> yes, or not. <laughs> uh, but I was slut shamed. Um, and I never had the, the typical girl's body, mm. you know, the planky body. I've always had hippie hips and you know, voluptuous ass, and um, which is more typical of a woman's body. Um, so I held that shame mm. around me for many years. So I've. It's been a journey of owning all of that. So what if I am the shameful, shadowed person? Mm. What if? Because mm. this is what I'm, what if, and let me own it. Scarlet mm. letter in the corner. Scarlet letter in the corner. Absolutely. And by default, I have always been this warrior. Um, I, I, I'm not very tribal. So I... Speak up for the underdog. I, th- that's my dog in the fight is, um, giving the support that I needed. Okay. So really that's the theme of my life is supporting others, um, in places that I needed support because that's where my healing comes from. Thank you. So oh. with owning, so with owning mm-hmm. all this shameless, shamefulness mm-hmm. is where I can be shameless. Because I can own it all. Okay. Yeah. Oh, where did your journey begin? Well, similar to Tay, from childhood, I remember being shamed. Also, never had the typical girl's body. And I remember being very confused. And I grew up in a very religious home. And so, although sex was openly discussed, it was very much taught to me that it was something reserved for marriage and good girls didn't sit like that and good girls didn't climb trees or fall off walls and 
all those sort of things were equated to my value as a person who was about to become a woman mm. and who would eventually become a mother. And my real journey started about two years ago. I did not realize how unhappy I was at the time. And I broke my knee and had surgery and I had nothing to do but to sit for six weeks. And a series of introspective self-discussions took place and realizing that I was nowhere near who I was always intended to be. And so as I decided to take the steps to accept who I was, to not shame myself for my darkest thoughts and my fantasies and my ideas, which I had always pushed away. And as this grew, I took steps to change my life. And they were drastic steps. And it led to an entire change in my family structure, in my life, in my friendships, in the way my own birth family saw me. And it led me back to the friends I tried to push away so that they would not see how unhappy I was. And with this awakening came the empowerment that you speak of, came the opportunity for me to embrace all of myself and to bring out what I thought was dark and bad and shadow and to own it and to be shameless with it, as Tay says, and within that came the opportunity to find more and more of myself. And eventually it was just an avalanche and it hasn't stopped. And I love every moment of my life. And I try to say it at least every day. I love my fucking life. That is my key phrase. And part of it is that empowerment, that opportunity to be me. So it doesn't and stop on the journey. It doesn't. And that's the point, that it is continuous. So interesting thing that... Um, <clears throat> I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. One of the, the, the descriptions of Tantra is that it's a lightning path. And even though none of you have followed any traditional Tantric paths in any way, what it does is it really shakes things up big time in every way. Because our sexuality is so much at the root of who we are. It's our self-definition. And when that energy starts to grow, everything, everything changes. So interesting question. Are you in a relationship? I am in several relationships. Okay. Tay, are you in a relationship? I'm in a solo, very committed solo relationship to self. Okay. Donna, are you in a relationship? I am in a relationship. Okay. So you've been in a relationship for five years. Correct. And I know your partner because he's been on the show as well. And he is in on a similar path to you. Correct. Okay. Are your partners, your partners are obviously aware of, of the life that you live? Yes. It is one of my most important aspects to act with integrity, with truthfulness, with honor, because by honoring those in my life, I honor myself. Okay. So now let's ask the question about men. Do you think that men want, can deal with, would mm. like a sexually empowered woman because I made the statement that for most men it's the greatest fantasy so the fantasy is that there is nothing a sexually open powerful strong woman will not do so every one of their fantasies is 
livable and doable and right there in front of their greedy little paws. The fear is that they actually cannot keep up with that mm. and cannot fulfill that. Very true. So, you know, a lot of men come along and, and in certain discussions that we have on various <laughs> workshops and forums, and every man says, so one of their first things is they want to threesome with two women. Mm. Yes. Yep. So it's like you and your best friend or you and whoever it might be. Five minutes and later, you're just having a wonderful time with another girl. Yeah. And then the most interesting <laughs> thing is that a lot of guys can't even fully satisfy the woman that they have, never mind two. <laughs> never mind all the mechanics and everything else and that time, it involves. And time. So what do you think about men mm. wanting this, being able to deal with this, to be with it? And let's not be nasty. <laughs> I won't be nasty. Um, so I, I have found myself lately explaining <coughs> myself and the difference between single and solo on various occasions. Um, and the one day I get a message from a gentleman who said to me, he still can't understand. He gets this whole solo. He gets the whole empowered. You're doing exactly what it is you're consciously setting out to do. But I must answer him this one thing. Why is a pretty girl like me still single? I have <laughs> this conversation with him. So he obviously doesn't get too much. No. Most don't. So it's a, a little WhatsApp message that I sent him. Can I, may I share it? You can share some of it. <laughs> it's little. It's little. That looks a bit like an ASA. No, that's it. I won't ever be monogamous again. I could be celibate though. My drive for sex doesn't propel me. I find other avenues to express my creative life force. It's too easy for me to make myself smaller for another, to disconnect for another's comfort. That's why I'm solo as opposed to single. If I view myself in a relationship to myself, primarily, I can know for sure I will always have my own back. And when shit gets hard, I'll be there for me. In monogamous relationships, I no longer have my own best interests at heart. I have the other's best interest at to heart, putting myself last, mm. teaching the world how to treat me and my actions to self, which leads to my own betrayal of self. I could do poly relations because only single or solo leaves no room for other. I can do anchor partner, and that doesn't have to be sexual either, but it can be. One could even do nesting partners, but that doesn't have to be sexual or anchor. The insatiable need for more, I think, comes from one's shadow being suppressed due to romanticized ideas on shoulds. The shadow then has to break free and will find destructive ways in which to do it. Being open and honest and facing all truths, especially the ugly ones, sets one free. Sex is one thing, love is another, passion is another, chemistry is another, carnal urges another, sweet gentle love another. They aren't in competition with each other. Sometimes it can be both, and they aren't competing with each other. It can be healing and soul-destroying. NRE fades, seasons change, and if you haven't had your back, you may find yourself without a coat in the snow when spring bleeds into winter. Thank you. So, what do you think about men? <laughs> men, I think they desire they want mm -hmm. um, one of the prime examples I can use with regards to the reality of them suddenly having what they desire thrown in their laps is I'm a honorary member of one of the better known swingers clubs in Johannesburg 
and my reputation on their website is renowned for not dealing with bullshit, <laughs> to put it bluntly. And I had a conversation the one day with a guy who said, had, I was sitting there with him having a few drinks and he was on about how I was everything he had ever desired. But if I was his, I would not be allowed to attend these parties by myself. I would not be allowed to. And I looked at this conversation and I, I just said, I said, so what is it that you actually want? Mm. You want the unobtainable, but when you get it, you're going to place these restrictions. So, no, I don't think very many men can deal with the whole birthday party when they get it. Mm. And then they start limiting it and saying, look, you know, I only want four candles on the cake or because then it becomes about their ego and their pride. The candles will never be lit again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're not the self-lighting ones. <laughs> um, it becomes seconds. about their ego and pride mm. because – they're not at that same place in their life. So how do they compensate? They shut down. And they shut down what is intimidating them. Mm. Absolutely. Hmm. So here's a very interesting question. It's quite a personal one. <laughs> Along the journey, what was one of the hardest things about yourself that you had to face and acknowledge? Look at those faces. <laughs> just, those faces are priceless. There's like deep, deep thoughts. And then there's like nothing was hard. And then there's like all these emotions. Yeah. Because it's not an easy journey. Oh, no. It's not. it's not. And it's often a journey that brings, that takes us into a lot of our pain. Um, when we see what we've become, when we see the possibilities of who we are um, and where we can be. And looking at, at the gap and we look at what we've done. And looking into that mirror is not an easy one. I think it's, it's learning to be selfish, selfish for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, as you say, we've, we've all had significant relationships. Majority of us are parents. Um, I think we raise our children very differently to the way we were raised, that they know they have choices and options going forward and a lot more openness. I was also in a deeply religious family. And when you're in those relationships, um, as was said already, you reduce yourself. Mm. And you get to the end of the relationship and you having reduced yourself to fit into that relationship is suddenly thrown back at you as a fault. And you're looking at the person going, but I did it for you. And then you realize deep down inside, no, I haven't done it for you. I actually did it for me to survive in the space mm. and to acknowledge that you're the one that drove that reduction of who you are. As a woman Because right. mm. yeah We allowed Definitely. it We yeah, gave right. consent to it On some level mm, yeah, yeah That's true And we encouraged it Yes Yeah, yeah. Absolutely To get something stable To, to live in that illusion Of stability and comfort yeah. Which yeah. is almost In every aspect of our lives We, we, chal we are challenged But uh, not necessarily In sexual empowerment Yeah Tay I, I would have to um, Underscore The self-betrayal Mm. It is a very, very hard thing to sleep with is betraying self mm. and who I am and my reason for being, mm. my purpose of being here. Um, and talking about the white picket fence, yes. the shirts, how should we do it? How should it look? What should it look like? So mm. I was having my conversation that I've just shared with you with another man <laughs> who was, yes, I can do this. Mm. And I was explaining to him that... Because I can do monogamy, whatever it is that I do, I commit <laughs> to 100%. Um, and I was explaining to him that um, my son, I'm divorced, um, 
I tried my absolute damnedest to provide him with a white picket fence and I worked on it and I went to the darkest, deepest places of despair um, in myself, in my marriage. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that because had that not happened, I wouldn't have gone to those dark, ugly places within myself. Uh, and I did my absolute very best to give him this white picket fence. I was having this conversation with a gentleman who believed he could do an empowered uh, <laughs> dance with a woman. And um, I, I said that I don't believe that my child will have this one white picket fence, but maybe this way he can have two. Um, oh. So the very next day, very sweet, it was the sweetest gesture, he bought me a white picket fence. <laughs> 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 and he delivered the white picket fence to my door. And a few days later, I thought, wow, this is interesting. Like, people just don't hear me. I can, I can be as clear and straight to the point, but they hear what they want to hear. Of course, people hear from, listen where, from where they are. Right. Okay. Elle, what was yours? Aside from the accepting mm. that I'd made myself small, one of the hardest things I had to face and accept about myself was that I deserved pleasure. I deserved joy. I deserved to be happy. For the longest time, I believed that happiness was not mine to obtain, but it was my job to bring it to others. And that is a terribly sad place to live from. And when I faced that I deserve pure joy, I deserve sexual pleasure, I deserve to have my energy be full. That was hard to accept. And when I did, it flipped a switch and it changed everything for me. Hmm. So a very interesting guy called Anthony DeMello. He was a Jesuit priest, not alive anymore. But he had enormous impact on some of my thinking. And a piece that he wrote was about selfishness. And he said, essentially, we've been brought up with the idea that selfish is bad. But the truth is that we are getting something from everything that we do. So it becomes then, which part of ourselves are we feeding in that? Are we feeding the contractive? Are we feeding the expansive? Are we feeding the possibility or not? And when we do that, then we start to see that we are responsible for our happiness and we are responsible for our pleasure. You cannot make me happy. If I'm going to be miserable, I'm going to be miserable. doesn't matter what you do. doesn't matter what you give me. I'm going to be miserable. And if I choose to be happy, then we can share in that happiness. But it's very much about us. And the more we do that, and it goes against so much of what our society tells us in so many ways. But if we teach our kids that, we're teaching them authenticity, and we're teaching them to be true to themselves. And in that is so much power. And to be... Empowered, And I was thinking about that word this morning and I actually realized I fucking hate it <laughs> because of this connotation. Like it's the state that you get to. And now it's like what people call enlightenment. Now I'm enlightened. Like what a load of crap. It's like there's this journey, you know, that carries on and on and on and on and on and on. This wonderful story about enlightenment. That this guy goes on this huge search to become enlightened. And he goes and he finds all these gurus and he finds all these teachings. 
and he can't get it. And he's in China one day on this little dusty road, and there's this old man, something about this guy. He needs to ask him. So he says, Grandfather, please tell me, what's enlightenment? This guy looks at him, and he's carrying the sack, and he puts the sack down, and he stands up. A smile that comes from his heart. And in that moment, this guy gets it. And then he loses it all because his next sentence is, tell me, what's after enlightenment? (laughs) And this old guy picks the sack up and he carries on walking down the road. Because empowered means that we're living a life and we're living a life every day with kids, with work, with all of the stuff that we live with, with all of the challenges. And it's being in that, but being in it in a very different way. And that's where the power is of really engaging with that. Like you can sit in a cave for 20 years and you can have the most amazing enlightened experiences and really become energetic and spiritual and everything else. But you've got to interact with the world. So as as soon as you kind of step out of the cave and there's the traffic all around you in Tibet or wherever you might be and it becomes a different world. Interesting. Hmm. There's also a a wonderful um, TED talk by a guy named Andrew. I'm just picking it up. I'll pop it on the Twitter. Um, I forgot his surname. So he's talking about building really your identity. And he, his theory is that our hardest experiences are shaping, giving us a platform and giving us the possibility to be the enlightened people we are or the, the wonderful growth journey kind of fertility. (laughs) So it's, it's more about how we, when we choose not to look at the hardest experiences that we went through as a trauma, but as an opportunity, we have unbelievable growth possibilities there. And, you know, when John T asked you now, what was the hardest thing to discover? Sometimes exactly like Ted Stay said, if you don't go through that horrible thing, you can give it another meaning later. You can, you can make resolute, you know, you can have resolution and, and you can, you can go to a deeper place of forgiveness, but then you really understand what is maybe to be sexually empowered or really to be a woman or really to be a powerful person because you've been in that place that you know when you didn't have some of the things that you have today. And it is a journey, and, and we go through all of these journeys for growth. An interesting idea, though, especially because you are all very pleasure-oriented in your life. So there's a very interesting idea. We generally have a belief that we learn through pain. Right. What about learning through pleasure? So when we put something in a box, we put a label there, mm-hmm. and we put a whole lot of definitions, and then we decide what it is. So if I'm really sad, I can learn something from my sadness, and I can heal it, and I can expand it. Yeah. But if I'm really happy, we don't even think about that so much. Mm. But really, so, pleasure and pain is this um, f- fine dance of the same thing. Well, they're yeah, just really? on a spectrum yeah. and complementary mm-hmm. to each other. And perspective. Yeah. So we <laughs> can learn as much from the pleasure if we become <coughs> conscious in the pleasure, right. as opposed to just being conscious and aware of mm-hmm. the pain. Mm. And that becomes really, really quite a fascinating thing. So what scares men about being with a conscious woman? What's the fear for men? I think that there has been a great hurt done to men over generations where they are, where they are also shamed from very young and they are told how to behave. Real men don't cry, they don't show emotion, nothing feminine about them. 
And this does damage to them. And so when they reach an age where they may be faced with a sexually empowered woman, they don't know how to react to that. They don't know how to dance with it. They don't know how to exult in it because they themselves have made themselves smaller. They're just coming from a pattern. And they have been, and some of them have been taught to find it and then to squash it and then to say, but you're not the same person I fell in love with. And this does damage. Yeah, so our So they, they seek it. I do believe that they want it. But they've never been taught how to how to manage it, how to handle it, how to celebrate it. So our sexuality and our growth is very entwined in this world. Yes. That as women free themselves they open the door for men to free themselves. As men free themselves they open the door for women to do the same. Yeah. And we have we are very entwined in that. Because what we repress in somebody else, essentially, we do repress in ourselves. No, I also think that um, if you if you look at a, a man's relationship with his mother, for example, he will go through his rebellious phase as a teen and want to have, as a young adult, and want to have somebody that's nobody like his mother. But when he gets that person who's now not repressed from a previous generation and is out finding their identity. He then gets to a different point now going, now I've got this person that's totally different, but in order for her to be integrated into my familiar zone, my family, she must tone down a bit and take off the red hat with the purple feather. Mm-hmm. And then he's a, turning her into his mother. And that's, I think, one of the relationships, one of the relationships issues I've always said is, I'm not your mother. I'm your partner. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, so there's a, an interesting idea that because we cannot sexually fulfill ourselves with a parent, we pick that opposite gender parent for a relationship until we become aware of it, and then we can change, change that. Right. An interesting I, I, I idea. I think that there's a, um, another aspect that we haven't spoken about as yet, and, and a big in my belief, a, a very big aspect about being empowered is owning our vulnerability. So as a society, we've been taught that vulnerability is a weakness. Sure. Um, and in fact, I believe it's an incredible strength. It's our greatest strength. It is our greatest strength. And men have been done the disservice of um, not being, as a, as a whole, not being allowed their vulnerability so seeing a woman who who is brave as fuck <laughs> to be vulnerable um is intimidating it's scary mm. i think yeah, vulnerability does scare us mm. because of the intensity of it right. um but the power is that when we're most honest when we've revealed ourselves and mm-hmm. we're most vulnerable that's where we are strongest and somebody will accept it or they won't yeah, but who are we doing that for? Mm. Yeah. And I, I think these men don't necessarily want, don't necessarily go subconsciously with the with the idea of how can I squash her power. Um, somebody gave me this analogy the other day of being like a firefly, that um, you have all this light around you and this energy and this fire, and it's so pretty, um, just like a firefly, let me, mm. let me bottle you, let me jar you. And as soon as you jar the firefly, not because you want to kill the firefly, so not that you want to squash it, but by the mere act of imprisoning the firefly, it dies. Mm. 
So we have to almost sometimes go against what's part of our nature because part of that male nature is that possession. And you have to transcend that. You have to acknowledge it. I don't think it's only a male thing. I think one of the most harmful things we are taught about typical relationships is ownership. Mm. You are mine and you must be my all and my everything all the time. And there is danger in that because it means you are not your own. And it's it means you are not possible. whole on your own. And it's not possible for one person to fulfill all your mm-hmm. needs and desires mm-hmm. and to have the same interests as you and to hang out with the same friends as you. It's just not possible. This is why we, as humans, congregate in groups, why we have diverse friends and friendships and partners in some cases. Mm-hmm. Because we are able to have those needs met by many. And so when we try and own each other, we destroy that which we are most attracted to initially. Hmm. Yeah, and part of that is uh, There are theories running around that that is our nature Um, Until we transcend that We will destroy what it is that we love Until we become aware of it Then we can change Mm. it And we have set relationships up in that term of possession you know, you guys were talking about, you and Trevor, about the fact that you wouldn't get married. But there's lots of different ways to be married. Right. But the traditional marriage is very much once I own you, I will decide what you do, what you do with your body, what you'll do, how you'll do it. It comes down to that catchphrase, my wife, yeah. my husband. Mm. You, know, you, don't, you, you don't introduce them by their name anymore. They stop being the standalone individual. Yeah, and we need to keep our identity in that. Mm. And I did a, a shoot the other day for a really interesting show called um, Love at First Sight or Love at First Marriage or something like that. And it's these couples who go through this whole selection process and then eventually they get chosen. The first time they see each other is when they get married. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a kind of fascinating idea in a way. You know, it takes like – so when the producer told me the, what the whole journey was and he said they're matched on scientific reasons from all these surveys and everything that they fill in and I burst out laughing and I said that has fuck all to do with love and attraction <laughs> um, <laughs> but in an arranged marriage which still happens in mm-hmm. a lot of the world it's a really interesting concept because some work and some don't and one of the ideas is that you come to love somebody and in a way if you're going <coughs> to love then maybe you can love almost anybody what do you think about that it's hmm. hmm. intense uh, I just I just want to say that that love and pleasure and expansion is is something you can learn, and I believe mm-hmm. I truly believe we all. You look at kids; they give you the example. They love, you know, if it's to touch themselves as well for comfort, like John T says. But it's also they love enjoying, they love exploring. They they have to have that in order to actually develop their brains. So I think we 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 just lost it. We can grow into pleasure we can grow to different culture shapes us right. we mm-hmm. all almost all of us i don't know what which population of the earth but it's i'm sure more than a few tribes maybe in in colombia you know somewhere that that western society and media didn't really get to we learn what we're supposed to do we can unlearn it i truly believe that donna that's the journey mm-hmm. of of healing in a way it is it's um I don't know. I don't know whether I'd use the word that you can um, learn to love. I think you can learn to appreciate. You can learn to come to terms with. You can learn to not criticize. You can learn to find an acceptance level 
which could possibly be love to some. Mm. Um, love to me is a, it's, it's a greater energy vibration. Okay. So for me, in order to have that emotion with that person, my energy is vibrating with their energy at that level. There are other people I connect with and are significant to me, but it's not at that level. Mm. And, you know, like we always say, it's, it's a fine line between love and hate. Hate is also love. You know, it's just the darker side of it. Somebody that drives you to that level of emotion. You've got feelings. You've got, you got some residual energy towards disliking somebody so intensely. And can you turn that around or do you just leave it alone? Beautiful. And it's the intensity. Yeah. And mm. we fear intensity. We do. Yeah. Um, I made some, uh, we d- we're doing some, some recordings in the week and one of them was about that, that we fear intensity because of where we have to go within mm. ourselves to raw. feel that. Yeah, yeah. Raw. yeah it's real mm. passion and it reveals us because as soon as we're intense about something, we are revealed. Wherever on that spectrum of emotion we mm. are, it reveals ourselves. And it's, hmm. n- it's not just that. When we are intense and we see the shock from society around us, we learn that we are not enough for some people and that we are too much for Correct. others. Mm. Yeah. And what we need to learn is I am enough and I am not too much. And if the people around me think that I am one of those things, they are not my people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only one you have to be enough for is yourself. Right. And it's a journey of self-love. Mm. Ultimately, mm. whether you're in a relationship mm. or not, or whether you're poly or monogamous, monogamous or mm. whatever it is, it's a journey that, of loving self. And that would change our world more than anything else. Right. If we made decisions out of loving ourselves, the relationships that we chose would be very different. Yeah. The lifestyles that we chose would be incredibly different. The jobs that we chose would be different. We would come from a totally different place. Mm. I think we would come from a conscious choice place. Yeah. Right. Instead of a default I have no other option mm. place. Mm. Or a, an expectation this is to be part of this community. This is what I need to be. Um, I need to have this kind of relationship. I need to be a mother. I need to be a father. I need to be married. I need to go to varsity instead of saying well wait a minute. Maybe I want to go and make pancakes on the beach somewhere. Mm. Right. And, and who said that? Yeah, who said that the whole this whole journey has to be fun? Who said <laughs> <laughs> it's like a roller coaster? It's a roller coaster. Well, you know, there's a there's a wonderful teacher called Adyashanti who has one of the best sayings about enlightenment. That we think enlightenment is about happiness. Mm. It's right. not. It's about dropping the illusions mm. and dropping the veils and seeing ourselves in the world as we and it are. And there is incredible happiness in that, but you go through an incredible journey before happiness is there. And then happiness often has nothing to do with what you think it is. Because our happiness is very often dependent on the presence or action of somebody or something else. Mm. When you are a certain way, then I'm happy. And when you're not, or you withdraw that, or that changes, then where am I? So we put it all outwards instead of turning the whole journey inwards. I think one question I always ask a lot of ladies I meet is um, who you go out and you buy sexy lingerie. What is your reason for buying that lingerie? Mm. And nine times out of ten they go, oh, I've got a date night or it's an anniversary or it's a special occasion. I say to them, but 
Aren't you just buying it for to you? put on to feel sexy underneath your clothes? You know, why are you buying it for somebody else sure. for a special occasion? And I think that comes back to the way we treat ourselves yes. gives others permission how to treat us. Mm-hmm. Right. So love yourself. Date yourself. Spoil yourself. Make love like to yourself. Make yeah. love to yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. Mm. This has been really interesting. Thank you all very much for sharing with us this morning. It really has been. Um, and it's so many different angles of this come up to go into mm. down the line. So ABR is adult breastfeeding. Oh, my goodness. I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mm, so a big fetish along with the whole diaper thing and being treated as a baby. Mm-hmm. And um, Does it have to be real? Like there's when there's yes. actual milk? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, that's the fetish. It's the actual the milk. So it's not like mm, just no. suck, sucking so on it. No, so women who can be kind of wet nurses or can produce milk almost woman. on demand. Yeah. And um, what, what is the percentage of male to female with that kink? Wow, that's an interesting question. I have no idea. Because I've seen documentaries where it's predominantly men. With yeah, the I would imagine. Mm, yeah. I would imagine. I've actually never seen a woman, woman. in that role. Mm. And in we fact, suck other things. <laughs> <laughs> it always produces yeah. milk. Always. Yeah, all of what I've, I've, I've seen of that has been men. <laughs> so Even wearing the diapers and things. Wrong. I don't mm. know that I've ever seen, seen. a woman. Huh, so that would be it's interesting. It's like a mother thing. It's, yeah. a, it's a mummy thing. Yeah, I'm sure that there are women who... Well, we, we all there. have a daddy yeah. issue. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just, yeah. I don't think it always. So you want daddy to come Exactly. No, now. but it's more like, who's your daddy? Or the whole yeah. conversation about yeah. that, even mm-hmm. though it's proven that it's not necessarily as a daddy, but it's authority. Yeah. So it's somebody yeah. controls my game. Somebody's bigger than me. Somebody's yeah. my boss. So it might be in a slightly different way, but that's what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So we haven't confirmed this yet for next week, but I think we're going the opposite end of the spectrum to where we have ever, ever been before. Where have we never ever been? Ever ever been? Yeah. Uh, never uh, church? Church. <laughs> you're you're kind of close in a way. You're kind of close in a way, which is celibacy. Oh, wow. That's so brilliant, John. So that's what I. I'm We're not going to be here. Next week. So, <laughs> so if you know anybody who is celibate and they'd like to be part of our show, please let us know. That would be a really interesting. That is such a brilliant topic. Interesting idea. When are we starting uh-huh. the workshops? Workshop is coming up on Tuesday. We're doing a really beautiful workshop called Sensual Healing and Connection. Mm. That's on my Facebook page. Um, our events page on the website isn't quite right yet. Okay. But it's for everybody, singles and couples, and it's teaching you a whole range of processes that you're going to go home and do that connect you with your sensuality and have wonderful healing capabilities. Yum, yum. That's on Tuesday night. On, um, we still have a couple of places for Mozambique. our retreat in okay. Mozambique. And when Tay was talking about fireflies, as you walk through from the village, when we go into the village for supper and you walk back through the forest to the camp, there are the most amazing collection of fireflies in the dark. <laughs> and you switch your torch off and you see these incredible little points of light along the way, which are just Magic. Wow. And there are whales in the bay at the moment, as well as all the dolphins. Mm. So this really is wow. a life changing uh, experience. It's um, really incredible. Where can we so find more information about events or stuff like that if people want to know more about women that are doing their thing? So, Sphinx magic. 
Minx Magic. Minx okay, Magic, Twitter. Twitter, uh, Facebook, Minx Magic. Cool. Instagram, Minx Magic. We tweeted today with you guys. So if you want to know more about those events. women that are doing cool events and cool stuff. We have a few next week. Yeah. Cool. Awesomeness. And Janti. Uh, we wish you all so much. Thank pleasure. you. This is CliffCentral.com.